This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Later in the hour, we'll be joined by Lucille Ball as she displays more of her abundant talents in My Favorite Husband. But first, let's visit the year 1949, when a program that led to mayhem and murder was on the air. Quiet, please. Though the general thrust of the stories were fantasy, horror, and suspense, Cooper's Quiet, Please, the scripts, covered a broad thematic range, including romance, science fiction, crime, family drama, and humor, some of it quite self-deprecating. Regardless of content, most episodes had a dreamlike, surreal quality, where odd or paranormal events were not always explained. According to radio interviewers, the creator of the show, Willis Cooper, was a master of the opening line. Almost every episode of Quiet, Please begins with a sentence or two that hooks the listener, commanding their attention and their curiosity. Well, let's see if that particular method is employed tonight with the episode called Bring Me to Life. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Today's Quiet Please story, written and directed by Willis Cooper and featuring Ernest Chappell, is called Bring Me to Life. Ah, I'll see if I get an idea. Not 
No more idea than a rabbit. <laughs> Page one. Yeah, that's a start. Let me see. What I need is a character. Character, character. Come on, character. Have you got three dollars? No, I haven't got three dollars. What do you want three dollars for? The milkman. You had some money last night. Well, I got 80 cents. Thanks. Uh, listen, Ruthie, give me an idea for a character. I haven't got any ideas for characters. Haven't you really got three dollars? He's been here twice. Give him a check. What I want is a character for this script. The only one I can think of now is the milkman. You get to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get to work. Sure, sure. If I get a character, I'll get to work. If that's all I need, then I'll get a story, all right. I think. Come on, character. Come on, character. Yeah, now what you want. I said I haven't got three dollars. Oh, come on in, Ruth. What are you... What's the matter with you? Come on in, I... Ruth! You calling me? Didn't you knock at this door? Are you crazy? Well, I thought I heard somebody. Yes, All right, all right. Right? 
There's your character. Right about him. Do you really suppose that... Now, look, darling. I've been married to a writer long enough to believe almost anything. I don't know how this is done, but it's worth trying, isn't it? Well, I don't like to monkey with things oh, like that. don't be silly. Well, it's... Wait a minute. It's one thing to write about supernatural things. It's... Well, it's another to experience them. Huh. You've always been wishing you had a typewriter that would do your script for you. Now you got it. Go ahead. Well, yes, but... Uh, how do I know who this is? Who? Well, this character or whatever he is. Well, you decide. You bring him to life. Go ahead. Well, who should he be? Well, a pirate. Um, I don't know anything about pirates. Hmm? What? It says... I do. Go ahead. I don't like it. Go ahead. Unless this is a gag. It's no gag. Right. Well. It was a dark and stormy night. What's that? Sounds like thunder. Gosh, does this thing control the weather, too? Go on. Write some more. This is getting interesting. Well, I... All right. Nothing's happening. What did you write? Here. Read it. The pirate ship through the roaring waves, all her sails straining under the howling wind. Do you smell anything? Smell? Yeah, I sure do. It smells like the ocean. Go on. Read some more, Ruth. I, I think I know how this works now. Well, what do you mean? I think you have to... Read it to make it happen. Well, you read it then. Uh, no, you. I, I don't want to read it. I'm scared. I don't like it either. Look, the typewriter. It says, read it. Well? Well, uh, Captain Jabez Thorne... Scourge of the Spanish Main. Scourge of the Spanish Main slowly climbed the steps of the companionway. Uh, companionway? There's, there's somebody coming up the stairs. You know there aren't any stairs in this house. Oh, read some more. And flung open the door. Oh. He... Gazed on the wild scene for a second and drew his cutlass. What? What's that? My Swedish crystal vase. It, it fell down. He knocked it off with that that cutlass or whatever it is. That vase cost forty-two dollars. Well, I couldn't help it, honey. You do something about it. Oh, my beautiful vase. And there isn't another one like it in the world. Well, what can I do? For God's sake, honey, I can't help. Wait a minute. Wait. He returned the cutlass to its scabbard. <laughs>
You see? That doesn't bring back my vein. Well, listen. He turned to the beautiful girl at his side. Hey, don't read that. And put out his arm. Oh, what? hands! What? What's the matter? Hands! Great big hands! Oh. Ruth, <coughs> what's happening? <coughs> Ruth! Somebody kiss me with, with whiskers! <coughs> to be a great racket? Have your characters write your stories for them? <laughs> the only thing is, you have to be careful what I put down on paper. Don't want to find myself getting choked to death by somebody I brought to life. Hey! Hey, what am I saying? Well, 
see what happens. Page one. You know, you don't have to believe this, friends. <laughs> I'm not so sure I believe it either, even though I've been mixed up with supernatural stories for so long, I guess I'm a sucker for them. Maybe all that didn't happen. Maybe Ruthie and I dreamed it. The only thing is, two people don't usually dream the same dream at the same time, you know. <laughs> and that Swedish crystal vase of hers is sure busted. You know, I didn't do it. Okay, hypnotism, maybe. Okay, hypnotism or something. And I'm going to try it again. Sure, just relax. But we'll see who'll do the laughing, huh? Me or you? How's your imagination? Mine's all right, thank you. So shut up a minute while I try this. Keep quiet and let's see what happens, okay? Hey, character. Character. Come on, character. Come on, character. What? No, I did that. It wasn't the character. I just wrote, are you there? Let's see if he answers. Come on, character. I need a story. You helped me the other day, character. Help me now. need help. Don't be mad at me. Now, what could happen to a guy 
you're sitting here like I am. Could be a ghost. Nah, nah, no ghost. Chains clanking and stuff. Corny sound effects. No, no. A burglar. Mm-hmm. Burglar might be good. Uh, I wouldn't know what to do about a burglar, though. We haven't got anything worth stealing around here. Besides, burglars are kind of corny, too, aren't they? You know, uh, you always think of a fat guy in a mask with an old-fashioned dark lantern and a bag over his shoulder. Like those fellas uh, drawing codgers. Uh, what's the name of the fellow that does it? Larry Reynolds? The big fat guy in the little old one. <laughs> now, burglars are funny. Burglars are out. Well, what then? Who'd come sneaking into your house in the middle of the night? Let me see. Let's see. Hey, uh, what about an escaped convict? An escaped convict? That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. You can do a lot of things with an escaped convict. Guy's wife asleep. You know, a desperate character. I could have left the door unlocked. He could have sneaked in. I'd never known it. He could be looking over my shoulder right now. Hey, stop that. Scare myself to death. Hey, this will be all right. This will be all right. He, uh... Let's see. He could have sneaked into Ruthie's room. Oh, did I wake you, Ruthie? Oh, I'm sorry, talking to myself. Ruth! Ruth! What's the matter, darling? Where's the light? Never mind the light, mister. And you shut up right now. I said shut up. Quiet now. Stop it. Stop it. And I won't hurt you. Now stop. You, you hurt my husband. You'll be all right now. Just keep quiet a minute. Who are you? Ma'am, I just crashed out of the big house, as they say in the movies. You? I'm an escaped convict, ma'am. And for your information, I'm a pretty desperate escaped convict. Where does your husband keep his clothes? What? I'm still wearing the clothes the state thoughtfully provides for convicted murderers, ma'am. And they're rather conspicuous. I need a change. Which is his closet? No, ma'am, I didn't kill him, but I may do that yet if I don't get a little cooperation out of you. Oh, let me out. Oh, you just sit there and tell me where to find his other suit. Where's the light? Hmm. You're very pretty. Let me go to my husband. No, darling, no. I got other plans for you. Is uh, this his closet? shirt, too. What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you. First, I'm going to get into this nice, new, oversized suit of clothes. Let me see if he's all right. Sorry. Hmm, Nice shirt. Sorry, no. I don't think he's dead. And, uh, even if he is, he can't hang me more than once, you know. Please, please. Be still. I said be still. Listen, ma'am, don't be misled because I'm treating you nicely. I am really a very rough person. You might have read about me in the papers. Oh, please, won't you? No. Now, shut up or I'll have to shut you up. What are you... As soon as I get these clothes adjusted, I'm going to leave here, ma'am. Well, then can I... And I'm going to take you with me. No. 
You see, they're out after me already, and they want me pretty badly. They have rifles and shotguns, ma'am, and they won't hesitate to use them. That is, unless there's a lady present. You see? Now, now a necktie. You're not... Shh, please, please. Hmm. Nice tie, this. Very nice. Uh, you see, if I might be so crude, I intend to take you along for a kind of shield, ma'am. Oh. The boys won't shoot you, understand, if there's a possibility of putting a bullet through you. So I suggest you get up and get a coat or something. It's getting quite a lot cooler out. I said get up. I won't. Ma'am, you better. Oh, please let me see my husband. I told you it'd be all right. And if you're a good girl, you might get back to him one of these days. If you're not, uh, does your husband wear hats? If you're not, you might not. Come on. Get up. I won't. I suppose it was Ruth screaming that brought me back through the darkness to a kind of semi-consciousness. The light was still on in their room. I could hear them talking. He's still out cold, man. I kept my eyes shut. I, I don't know why. I suppose I ought to have got up and helped Ruth. I was still pretty groggy. I just lay there. I could hear them. Come on, come on, ma'am. I haven't got much time to wait. I'm not going. I, I got my eyes open just a little then, and I could see Ruth with her heavy coat thrown around her, and he had her by the hand, and he was pulling her toward the door. Come on, come on, come on. No, no. Come on. <clears throat> Seemed to be a long time before I could get up on one elbow. My head hurt. I wasn't sure what happened. Ruth was gone. Who was the man I saw dragging her away? I, I tried to think. Finally, the fog cleared away enough so I could figure out what to do. Seemed hours later that I got to my feet. I staggered out to the other room where I'd been working at my typewriter. I should do something I knew. But what should I do? My mind wouldn't work. I wanted to go after them, but something stopped me. Something wouldn't let me go. I didn't know what it was. Something was making a noise through the ringing in my ears. And at last I recognized the sound. It was my typewriter. I fell down as I staggered across to it. I crawled the rest of the way. Forced myself to look at the paper. The keys were tapping away. And slowly, painfully, I read the words. Bring me to life. Bring me to life. Bring who to life? Me, 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 the typewriter. Me, me, me. And at last, my pirate. Come on, character. Come on, pirate. keyboard. The letters were blurred. When I found them, 
pirate comes in, draws, cutlass, sees, enemy, goes to rescue through French window, pursues enemy, enemy frightened, wife knows, rescue coming, pirate, raises cutlass. Yeah, I'm on bail now. On bail? It's pretty hard to explain a dead man wearing my clothes in my garage. Dead from the wicked, slashing blows of a great sword, a, a cutlass. Hard to explain. That's impossible. You believe it? I believe it. Ruth believes it. And that's the whole story. Thanks, character. Good night, character. You have listened to Bring Me to Life, a quiet, please, story written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who talked to you was Ernest Chappell. Dan Ruth was played by Helen Marcy. Walter Black was the murderer. The man on the telephone was Warren Bryan. The music was composed and played by Gene Brazo. And the character? And now for a word about next week's Quiet, Please. Here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Next week's story is called A Mile High and a Mile Deep. It's a story about the copper mines in the mountains above Butte, Montana, and the people who work there. Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to join Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband and a show that first aired in 1950. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jell-O family of Red Letter Desserts. People who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers tonight, they're spending a quiet evening at home. George is lying on the couch smoking his pipe, and Liz is curled up in the easy chair watching him. <laughs> George, you look like an Indian making smoke signals. Is that what you're doing? Ugh. <laughs> hey. Send me a message in smoke signal. Ugh. Ooh, what you said. <laughs> Sorry, it was a typographical error. Oh. Yeah. I'll get it. Oh, George, it's the Atterbury. Liz girl, George boy. 
wanted to go to a movie. The men is down at the corner. They is? <laughs> That's the name of the picture. Mm-hmm. With Marlon Brando. Woo! Well, what are we waiting for? Well, I don't know. It's a double feature with Jane Russell. Well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> well, we better get started. Okay, I'll go put on some lipstick while you change, George. Change? Well, certainly. You can't go looking like that. Well, why not? I've only worn this T-shirt twice. <laughs> George Cooper, do you mean to say you'd go to a movie in a T-shirt and those horrible old slacks? Well, Jane Russell isn't going to care. Of course, Marlon Brando might not like it. Don't you have any pride? Look at Mr. Atterbury. He's all dressed up. Say the word, boy, and I'll take my tie and shirt off. <laughs> Rudolph. Well, I'm just trying to make George feel comfortable, Lotus Bud. <laughs> You're not alone, Liz. We had the same scene before we left home. Rudolph wanted to wear dungarees, a sweatshirt, and sneakers. <laughs> We're suffering the curse of the middle classes, George. How I'd love to be poor enough or rich enough to go around dressed like a bum. (laughs) Boy, as it is, a man can't be comfortable going to a neighborhood... Buster! (laughs) Shut your big bazoo. (laughs) Buster! (laughs) Look, we're wasting valuable time. George, I'm not stepping out of this house with you in that outfit. If we were going dancing, I'd say you had a point. But who's going to see me? I get in the car, drive down there, sit in a movie for two hours, get in the car and drive home. And suppose we have an accident? (laughs) Oh, my Aunt Fanny. Suppose we hit another car and you're knocked unconscious? How will that picture look on the front page of the newspaper? You stretched out in a T-shirt. Yeah, boy, she's right. Suppose they took you to the hospital. What self-respecting surgeon would operate on you in those clothes? I didn't think of that. The blood would clash with these green slacks. You're both terribly amusing. George. Are you going to change your clothes, or are we going to stay home? Sounds like she means business, boy. Yeah, I know that tone. Well, come along, Mr. Atterbury, and help me pick out something. I can't decide whether to wear my chartreuse velveteen or my pink taffeta. (laughs) Oh, may I? (laughs) I just read Vogue, and I have some stunning ideas. Have a cigar, Iris. There. Do you think this tie and shirt will pass inspection? Oh, yes, yes. Liz would be proud to have you in an accident looking like that. <laughs> oh, I hate ties. Oh, me too. Once I had the bright idea of painting a dark stripe down my chest. Did you try it? Yep Did it work? Yep Too well Too well? Iris put a stick pin in it (laughs) Ouch 
You know, before we were married, Iris loved my baggy tweeds and open shirts. Today, I wear the same outfit, and I'm a sloppy crumb bum. <laughs> Come on, crumb bum. The girls are waiting. Wait a minute, boy. I have an idea. They want us to be dandies. Let's be dandies. You mean... Sure, sure. We'll put on the fanciest clothes you've got. Let's give them a good dose of what they ask for. Hey, that's a wonderful idea. Wonderful, my foot. It's sheer genius. Let's look in your closet. We'll find something here. Yeah, let's... Oh, blue jeans, torn slacks, sweatshirt, old flannel bathrobe. Gad, what a wonderful wardrobe. <laughs> Thanks. It's taken me a long time to collect it. Here, here, what's this? A tailcoat and striped trousers. Oh, yeah. I wore those to my cousin's wedding six years ago. Oh, these will be perfect for you. Put them on. Wear them? Sure, sure. And I'll... I'll... Here, here. I'll wear a pair of your golf socks and stuff my trousers inside so they look like knee bridges. (laughs) (laughs) Take this lace doily off the nightstand and fit it at your throat. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tuck this silk hanky in my sleeve. (laughs) I've got just the thing to top it off. Here, Liz's blue silk bed jacket. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, boy, these pants have shrunk since I last wore them. Mm. Funny thing about pants, hang them in the closet for a few years and the waistline always shrinks. (laughs) I I can fasten them if I hold my breath. Uh, Here we go. My arm, Beau Brummel, charmed Lord Chesterfield. What are they doing up there, Liz? How long does it take George to put on a shirt and a tie? I don't know. George, what are you doing up there? We'll be right down, honey. I don't know what's taking so long. Maybe he's having trouble getting those old pants off without breaking them. (laughs) (laughs) He's really attached to those pants, isn't he? Sometimes I think it's vice versa. You know, he doesn't just hang them in the closet He stands them up in the corner I know what you mean And when he gets a hold in them, I don't mend it I solder it (laughs) Rudolph has an old leather jacket he's that way about Okay, let's go to the movies Well, it's about time What in the world? you're doing. George, be a lamb and see if my stocking themes are straight, will you? <laughs> what matter, my lord? We're only going to a movie. But I might swoon in the lobby. <laughs> I'd hate to be carried to the powder room with a crooked stocking theme. <laughs> Very funny, fellas. Ha ha. Rudolph, get out of that ridiculous outfit. Now, we'll be late, George. Go up and get dressed. But I am dressed. Don't you see? With this morning coat and striped pants, if we get in an accident, I can be my own pallbearer. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to change your clothes. You're going to need one. Now, go get dressed. Does anyone have any snuff? I haven't had a good pinch all day. (laughs) I'll give you a good pinch. You all know the (laughs) 
Now, wait a minute. I'm confused. When I'm not dressed up, you don't like it, and when I am dressed up, you don't like it. Well, I'm not going with you dressed like that. Can I wear my T-shirt and slacks? Oh, all right. I'll take off my tie and go in my shirt sleeves. Go in your underwear, but hurry. The men is showing. Come on, boy. Okay. Oh, my pants. There'll be a small delay, Iris. One of the men is showing more than the other. Turn to the Coopers, it is the next day, and we find Liz still smoldering over her defeat in the battle of the ties and tight collars. She's pacing up and down the living room, working out her frustration and trying a plan of revenge. Katie, the maid, comes to console her. Mrs. Cooper, Mrs. Cooper, relax. I hate men. You'll get over it. It's just too bad the other sex had to be men. (laughs) I wish there was something else to marry. There must be something else for women to do besides wasting their time marrying men. I tried collecting butterflies once, but it wasn't as much fun. (laughs) I forget it, Mrs. Cooper. Men are like that. Well, my man isn't going to be. If I could only get rid of all of his old clothes and get him to start fresh, I... Get rid of his old clothes. Hey! Come on, Katie. I'm going to make someone very happy. Who, Mr. Cooper? No, the old clothes man. I'm going to take all of George's old clothes and give them away. (laughs) Oh, would you look at this wardrobe. Pretty gruesome. You know, maybe George got these from the old clothes man. (laughs) Where do we start? How about this corduroy jacket? Oh, that's thing. You better shake it. There may be a bird's nest in the pocket. Yes, ma'am. I was right. Look, an egg. (laughs) That's a golf ball. Oh. (laughs) Well, here we go. Here, take this flannel bathrobe and this hunting shirt, this leather jacket with the elbows out. (gasps) Look at this awful tweed suit. Ugh. Um, I could use some dust rags. Here. Thanks. And take this pair of slacks and his rain hat. Not his rain hat. That's sacred. It's also holy. (laughs) Look, Katie, it's just a case of who gets it first, me or the sanitation department. Well, I hope you've decided what you're going to tell Mr. Cooper. Oh, I'll think of something. Right now, I have only one thing to worry about. What's that? The old clothes man may refuse them. Busy, Mr. Atterbury? No, no, come in, George boy. I was just warmly remembering the great victory we won last night. <laughs> I think we taught them their lesson. <laughs> Hello. Is um, George Cooper there, please? Yes. He's right here. For you, George. Oh, thanks. Hello. Mr. Cooper, my name is Adam. I'm the local used clothing dealer. Yeah? 
I thought you'd like to know I uh, just got in a hot shipment of old clothes. <laughs> oh, look, you, you, you've got the wrong George Cooper. I'm the vice president of this bank. Yes, I know that. Well, why do you tell me about some old clothes? Because they're yours. Well, look, I don't care. Mine? Yes, sir, just left your house. Your wife was shoving clothes out the front door faster than I could pick them up. <laughs> Looked like an explosion at the laundry. <laughs> what a dirty trick. Liz sold all my old clothes to the junk man. Yes, he's inhuman. <laughs> I tell you what, Mr. Cooper, I'll bring them over to the bank if you like. Oh, would you? Well, I'll see that you make a profit on the deal. Oh, don't worry, I'll see to that. What do you mean? Well, uh, collecting men's old clothes from their wives is a nice business, but uh, I make my real money selling them back to the husband. Uh, well, uh, bring them over. I'll be waiting. Okay. Oh, say, before you hang up, uh, will you switch me over to a Mr. Um, oh, no, wait a minute. Oh, uh, Mr. Atterbury. Atterbury? Oh, God! <laughs> we'll both be waiting. Now, hurry up over. Well, how do you like that? <laughs> Mr. Atterbury, are you all right? Yes. yes. I've got an idea, boy. What? Run down to Miller's department store and ask them to give you some suit boxes, new ones. Then we'll put our old clothes in the boxes, wrap them up, and when we get home tonight, we'll tell our wives we've got a whole new wardrobe. <laughs> my little husband tonight. Ooh, what's in all those boxes? Mm, it's sort of a surprise. Miller's department store. Mm -hmm. George, you bought some new clothes. Yeah, I bought them all right. Well, it's a lucky thing because I have something awful to tell you about your old clothes. You have? Yes. Yes, George, I got to feeling guilty about last night. After all, if you want to wear old clothes, I should let you. Yes? Well, I took all your old clothes out and started to clean them for you. Oh? Well, you know how easily that cleaning fluid catches fire. Yes. Well. Dawn? You believe me, don't you? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, then I'll go on. <laughs> Where was I? You know how easily that cleaning fluid catches fire. Oh, yes. Well, I was too near the stove, and a spark got on them, and all your clothes burst into flames. My goodness. All that was left was a few little ashes. Dirty ashes. <laughs> Are you mad at me, George? Oh, not at all, dear. That's the kind of thing that would happen to anyone. Oh, you're wonderful, George. <laughs> Here, let me show you what's in these boxes. Okay. There. Ooh. <laughs> well, what do you think? Hmm, they sure did a good job of sewing those ashes back together. <laughs> Liz. Hmm? I bought these from a man today. Oh, well, what luck, finding a set of clothes just like the ones that burn. <laughs> yes, wasn't it a break? Yeah, too bad we still don't have the others. We could dress alike, sort of mother and daughter bum suit. <laughs> Liz, hmm? 
Aren't you ashamed? Well... You've been acting like a child, haven't you? Well, as long as you're being big about it, I guess I can, too. It was a dirty trick, and I was childish. Now, if you act that way, then I'll have to treat you according. Hmm. Come here, Liz. What are you sitting down for? Over my knee. Oh! You wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? Come here. Oh, if you spank me, I'll tell Mommy. Well, that doesn't work anymore, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Now, George, don't. Oh, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Oh, George, don't. Ouch. Now, you stop
Wait till you see it. I already have. We gave it to him for Christmas. <laughs> Probably home, primping. After all, we told them to look their best. You know what that means to a woman. Yeah. Well, I wish they'd get here. The photographers want to get a shot of us with our wives. Well, that's funny. Look over there, George. Where? Coming up the steps. Two clowns. <laughs> I didn't know there was a circus in town. <laughs> they're not clowns. They're bombs. Look at the rags they're wearing. That, that checkered golf cap. And did you ever see such a shapeless hat? Never. You, George, Rudolph. Oh, God! <laughs> Quick, boy, through the lobby and into the elevator. Oh, the elevators don't work this late. Don't quibble! Open the doors and jump down the shaft! <laughs> wanted to look just right. Pretend you don't know them, George. Here, my good man, here's a quarter for a cup of coffee. Now, scram. Uh, where are we going to eat dinner, George? Oh, it's no use. What's the meaning of this, Liz? Meaning of what? We're just being casual. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, Mr. Atterbury, how long do we have to wait? Ow, you stepped on my foot. Oh, I beg your pardon, mister. <laughs> now, just a minute. When are your wives going to show up? Well, they're, 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 they're not here yet. They should be here soon. What do you mean? I'm Mrs. Cooper. And I'm Mrs. Atterbury. Well, I'll take the picture anyway. Maybe the editor can put it on a comic page. <laughs> the editor? Yes, editor. For your information, Mr. Atterbury and I have been chosen as the two best-dressed men in town. I don't believe it. I don't either. Oh, it's true. And I gotta get their pictures with their wives for the morning paper. Oh. Okay, everybody, a big smile. Don't now. you dare take that picture. We'll go home and change our clothes. Oh, yeah, you can get a picture later. You up there with that big camera. Don't you take any pictures for your paper either. Oh, he's not with a paper. Well, then what's he doing? Time not to take our picture. It's a little late, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> You've been on television for the last ten minutes. What's on the docket for tonight? Tonight, Robert, to start the new season, I am a shy young country girl, a beautiful little flower visiting the city for the first time. And I'm the city slicker? Right. Take it away, Wilbur. Well, hello, my beautiful little flower. Hello, Did you uh, drop this handkerchief? Oh, no, you don't. My mother told me about fellers like you. <laughs> she did? Yep. Why do you think I dropped my handkerchief? <laughs> I uh, want to talk to you about Jell-O. Oh, 
Oh, you're going to sweet-talk me, huh? <laughs> Jell-O comes in six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry. Yep. Orange, lemon. No. <laughs> yes, and lime. Well, that's enough talking. Kiss me. <laughs> now, look, there'll be none of that until I finish talking about Jell-O. Ooh, gonna play hard to get, eh? <laughs> Come here, you. Put me down. <laughs> oh, shucks. There. Now, where was I? Up here. Put me down. <laughs> well, you don't have to get in a tizzy about it. Want to wrestle? Now, may I finish? Proceed. <laughs> Jello makes you think of the real ripe fruit itself. No. Yes. Itself? <laughs> yes. So look for the big red letters on the box. Why? <laughs> what does that spell? You don't know you knew the letters. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can spell, but I can't read. <laughs> you see, I'm working with dog and cat now. Oh, you are? Yeah, but they're doing better than I am. <laughs> well, when you learn to read, you'll find that Jello is wonderful. It is. Because the flavor is locked in by a special process. Yes, and it can't get out till your first delicious spoonful. I didn't know that. Nobody ever told me. Now, um, how about that kiss? Oh, no. Yellow sounds better to me now. Hi, <laughs> Bob. Listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie the Maid was played by Ruth Parrott. Lucille Ball can be seen starring with Bob Hope in Paramount's picture Fancy Pants. Bob Lamont speaking. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by Life with Luigi. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.